short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the. Welcome lies. to the Cold War, episode two hundred and three, Ray. Wow, that's a big number. Um, <laughs> it is a big number. Um, and at the risk of upsetting yeah. Tommy G by Please. not getting to the bang bang as quickly as possible. <laughs> He loves the bang bang. He loves the bang bang. Tommy G complained a couple of weeks ago that um, I need more bang bang. We were blue balling him on the bang bang. We're going to keep talking about the build up to the Chinese intervention today, and I'm going to explain yes. why. This is this is for Tommy G predominantly, but also yes. for other people who are wondering. Sure. Who just want to get to sure. the bang bang? To me, this this part of the story um, yes. goes a long way towards explaining the current U.S. tensions with China in 2021. Mm -hmm. Americans may have forgotten this story. In fact, most Americans probably never even learned this story. To forget. Yeah, yeah, to set up. I mean, as we've said before, the Korean War is often called the Forgotten War Mm -hmm. in the United States because it was one of those wars that didn't really get talked about at the time. You know, didn't have a lot of live media coverage. That sort of happened with the Vietnam War a decade or so later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was also part... It was the 50s. America was rah... You know, it's always been rah-rah, but it was particularly rah-rah-rah. And, yeah. you know, the military had very tight control of the media, what they did and didn't cover. Right. Um, but do you know what the most popular movie in China is right now, Ray? I think it's a movie about the Korean War. It is. It's the Battle at Lake Changjin, um, loosely based on the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir in North Korea. It's the most expensive film ever made in China, budget of around $200 million. It's currently grossed $900 million at the box office, making it the highest grossing film in the world for 2021, the highest grossing film in Chinese history and the highest grossing non-English film ever. The movie has received positive, really positive scores scores from Chinese film goers, a 9.5 on Mayan and 7.6 on Duban. Mm-hmm. The Global Times, which is a newspaper owned by the Chinese Communist Party, said that the national feeling displayed in the film echoes the rising public sentiment in safeguarding national interests in front of provocations, right. which has great implications for today's China-US competition. Petition. Nice. And so, yeah. the Amer- so, so the Chinese, and this is just the most recent in a long series of films about the Korean War that mm-hmm. have run in China. The Chinese understand what happened. I right. mean, okay, now, now, people like our friend Liam Bustle did when I posted something about this on Facebook yesterday. Goes, oh, it's all propaganda. It's Chinese war propaganda. Well, yeah, no kidding. Of course it's going to be, you know, Chinese propaganda, as every American war film ever has been. American Disney. Disney. Well, Disney was involved in the World War II effort with propaganda and images and things like that. So if you can't trust Walt Disney 
don't be surprised when the Chinese government gives you some propaganda. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, yes. But, uh, you know, right through your, your John Wayne, right, Green right. Beret-type films, right through all of your war films. I mean, oh, yeah. they've always been propagandistic. That's why most Americans today still think America beat the Nazis um, single-handedly. <laughs> and the British think the British did. I was watching... Oh, uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I was watching a... Um, Christopher Eccleston Doctor Who episode with Fox the other day. Fox right. has just got into Doctor Who. Finally. Nice. He's a keeper. Finally. Yes. And it was the episode in the first, uh, you know, season mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, where it's set in 1941 in the Blitzkrieg bombings of London. And mm-hmm. one of the g- local girls is worried and the doctor says to her, you don't have to worry because this little damp island rises up and says, not on my watch, and they take down the Nazis and they win. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Well, they anyway. resisted. They didn't win it by themselves. <laughs> yes, but, they yeah. resisted they like should... everybody resists right. everything. Right. They resisted a bit longer than France did, but they resisted. <laughs> Everyone resists. That's right. all they did was they yeah. resisted. They're like, big than, fucking than deal. Yeah. What do you want, a fucking yeah. elephant badge for resisting an invasion force? Like, please, yes. fuck off. Yes. Anyway. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In American military history, we haven't talked about the Battle of Chosin Reservoir yet. We'll get to that mm-hmm. at some point. Some it's point. a few months, yeah. few months down the line in um, our timeline. Yeah. So three years from now, we'll probably get to it the rate we're going. <laughs> the Battle <laughs> of the Chosin Reservoir yeah. is uh, mostly remembered because it was uh, from the U.S. side. It was commanded by Major General Oliver P. Smith, Good commander man. of the 1st Marine Division. Uh, which, by the way, the 1st Marine Division was classified as never intended for military operations, as we've seen with most of the divisions, in fact, in Korea. <laughs> That's not good, right? I mean... No. It okay. happened from November 27th to December 13th, 1950. About 30,000 US and Allied tr- uh, troops mm-hmm. were attacked by 12 Chinese divisions. And then they had to retreat to Hung Nam, and then they were evacuated to South Korea. The escape to Hung Nam was so uh, tricky that when Smith was interviewed about it by a reporter, mm-hmm. they, 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 they said something about ordering a retreat. He famously said, retreat hell! We're not retreating, we're advancing in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the kind of thing that my old friend J. David Markham would say about Napoleon going yes. home from Moscow. He wasn't was, retreating, right. advancing yeah. in a different direction. He went to Moscow, he, did, he went into the shops, did his shopping, checked everything off the list, and now he was going back home. And, and yeah, somehow a fire started. I, I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. about yeah. Now, do you know when the last Hollywood film was made about the Korean War and what it was, Ray? For, for $10, oh, your God. time I, starts now. I've done a lot less for a lot. No, I've done a lot more for a lot less. Um, no, last Korean film. Um, no. No, T- the last about. film about uh, the Korean War, not the thing. last Korean film. Um, last Korean film was uh, Squid Game. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Parasite. Still have a film. Squid Game is a Parasite, that's what I was thinking. No, I do not know the answer. Please tell me. It was uh, Bette Midler's musical comedy drama For the Boys in 1991. They were looking for a fun romp. Where can we set this movie at? What should be our look? I got it. Fucking Korea, let's go. 
anyway. It's been 30 years since Hollywood made a film about the Korean War, and it was uh, it was a musical yeah. comedy yeah. drama. Yeah. Do, do Americans want to see more movies about a war where we tie? I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? No. No. Yeah. Who's, so. who's, who's spending $200 million on that? Um, <clears throat> now, yes. if you want to know why the Chinese don't trust Americans and oh. why they are going to stand up to them, then this story that we're telling about right. this period in the Korean War helps explain it. That's why we study history. Got to remind yeah. everyone out there, it's not for the bang bang, although we love the bang bang. We love talking about the bang bang and the murder and the raping and all that kind of fun stuff. That's all good. good. We love good it. Times. Yeah. No yeah. one loves talking about raping more than us. We love it. I love to rape, rape bang bangs. So, no, <laughs> you put those together, boom. I'm oh, there. you combine the bang bang and the murder and the raping. And then it's just a question of do you do the bang bang and the murder before right. the raping or the yeah. bang bang and the murder after the raping? And it's a whole. It's either a. Philosophical debate that goes on forever, you know. Is it a potpourri or is it a buffet? I don't know, but the point is if you put them all together, you know you're going to have a good time. Anyway. (laughs) But my point is that we we talk about history, we study history, so we can better understand the world as it is today. Um, So for people who just want to get to the bang bang uh, uh, maybe just uh, don't listen to this episode. Or the Ooh. next episode. Yeah, you know, just yeah. skip a just couple pull of episodes. Out, wait. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what are we talking about? No, but if I could, in getting ready for tonight's this is, shows, this is ahead. the foreplay. This is this the foreplay. Is, this is. Yeah. Ray and I. If, if there's anything you should know about us by now, is we're considerate lovers, yes. and we're all about the foreplay. We want right. to. We want to tickle. We want to tickle yeah. the underside. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't want to just jump straight in. No, we? no, we're going to be too this sensitive. Su- you be like, su- oh. oh Come on, come yeah. on, warm me up a little bit first. As, as Heather said, the first night, the first night we went out, whoa, Columbus, you discovered it, discovered enough for tonight. So, you yeah. know, you just, you just take and it easy. F- no. You know, five years later, she <laughs> finally let you land in the new world. Right. Boom. Good time. Oh, good. Uh, and I, and I, Christo- I Christopher Columbus all over the place. It was amazing. <laughs> no, but getting ready for tonight. And I'm not going to give anything away, but we, but we're kind of in shock nowadays about how certain segments of America can be um, ignorant or non-believing about the virus or about race problems or whatever. And you're going to see tonight uh, the American government or parts of the American government just literally look reality right in the face and go, I don't see you. I refuse to acknowledge you. And I'm going to pretend that you're not there and go on with my life. I mean, it's amazing how... And you've said this before, but once someone gets a narrative in their head, that's it. It's almost impossible to to uh, get them to change their mind. So the Chinese are coming at this very realistically, and the Americans are like, yeah, it's already over. And so we make a lot of mistakes. But again, just the inability to grasp reality that you do not like never fails to astound me. And you're going to see a lot of that tonight in these two shows. Yeah, I'm actually trying to write a, 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 an article about this mm. at the moment, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, not about the Cold War specifically, but just right. about when I get into debates with people, and I have done this you know, for 30 years, whether it's about the history uh, of Christianity or the existence of free will or Russiagate mm-hmm. or America's involvement in uh, geopolitical affairs or... 
um, you know, uh, anti-vaxxer stuff or COVID conspiracy theories and all this kind of stuff. When I get into discussions with the crazies on this, they all seem to have the same sort of debate strategy, Mm -hmm. which is they make a claim, I present evidence to refute that claim, and then they go, "Uh, you're just an idiot. And I go, oh, hold on. Are you, going to, respond to the, yeah. are you going to respond to the evidence that yeah. I presented? And then they'll either go, I don't fucking have to, you know, do anything yeah. you say. You're not, my, you're not my mum. Or, <laughs> or the response right. will be to ignore that and go, yeah, well, what about this? And I go, yeah. well, before we talk about B, let's finish talking about A. Exactly. And they'll go, you're an idiot. And right. then, then they'll say, watch these four, three-hour YouTube videos. And they go, okay, but before we talk about that, let's just, get back to A. Yeah. And they'll, then they'll just go, you know, you, you don't know my story. And I'm like, I right. don't care about your story. Just tell me about A. Just reply and to And what's your yeah. source for your claim? And yeah. then they'll go, you're an idiot. And I'm going, okay, that may be true, but let's get back to A. And it's just this <laughs> fucking thing that goes you're on. Right. And I see yeah. it. Yeah. And I see it with all of these different, it, 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 like every subject that I debate people on. Right. Th- they, that's what happens, regardless of what it's about. And it's there's like a breakdown. Yeah. It's a, there's some sort of a, I, I think it's a mind virus. There's a mind virus that people mm-hmm. have where they can't deal with facts right. in some sort of a coherent manner. And, and this is a classic example of that. The, yeah. You know, one of the weirdest things about this part of the Korean War is how and why the Americans totally ignored Mao's warnings that he was not going to fuck around. Yes. He, yes. he gave them he put ample it out warning. There. Yes. Ample warning. And they just, no, no, no. no. And it's, it is absolutely, like, it's fascinating. It's, 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 it's fascinating on a number of levels to me. It's partly the whole just humans can't deal with facts kind of thing. And the thing I've said before, like, you're, 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 it's impossible for you to understand something that you're paid not to understand. Right. Um, or your livelihood depends on something uh, on you not understanding it, or your your sense of identity. I think yes. this gets down to the thing with Democrats and Christians and free will and all that kind of stuff and COVID mm-hmm. idiots. Is people whose whose sense of identity depends on them not understanding something? They yeah, they can't understand it. They can't. Right. Those facts cannot get into into their head. Yeah. But it's also instructive in terms of the way that America conducts itself on the world stage. And I think it's no different today in 21st century than it was in 1950. Right. I think what, what gets me, if you're having a debate, if you're trying to have a debate with someone about COVID and they won't even meet you halfway about, you know, the premise that there is a virus out there and it's not, you know, just fake news or whatever. I mean, of course, you're not going to be able to get them to look at facts. But if you think about it for a second, you walk away from that conversation, that person probably spends the vast majority of their life not dealing with unpleasant facts. And so they literally live in their own world that they've constructed. And I guess we all do that to a degree. But to literally say, oh, I don't like that. Therefore, it does not exist or it's a conspiracy. And you can do that with... um redheads or whatever but when it when it's a worldwide vaccine uh, worldwide um, virus obviously it's very real but the power of the imagination or the mind to ignore it and those are the people you got to try and work with and and it's just fair whether it's war global virus or whatever it's frustrating to have to deal with those people they're not going anywhere anytime soon and i'm like i said i'm related to half of them so. I got a got a got a guy I know. Yeah. Lives in Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne is still getting like thirteen hundred new cases a day. Wow. 
He's a COVID conspiracy idiot. He's a COVID idiot, mm-hmm. um, unvaccinated. Recently, a week and a half ago, became very sick. Right. Um, and I got an email from him this morning, and he's still sick. And I said, um, did you get a COVID test? And he said, no. I, I just have a fever and I'm coughing a lot. That's all. Um, That's all. Yeah, because I assume he, he, he just doesn't want to know. He doesn't want the facts. I mean, he's young. Right. He's in his mid-30s. He's probably in good condition. Okay. He's safe. He's probably going to be okay. Probably. I kind of hope that he gets really, 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 really sick. And then better. And, and, then, and then better. better. But, yeah, but just really, really, really go, like, oh. I think I'm going to die. I can barely yeah. breathe sick. Uh, I want him to suffer. I don't want him to die, but I do want I him to list. suffer because he's an idiot. He deserves right. to suffer. Right. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Where more than we? three weeks before the main Chinese onslaught, Mao sent warnings that they were ready to engage, but MacArthur and his staff just refused to believe it. They lived in their own little fantasy world yes. that they were unstoppable and that the Chinese were either unwilling or unable to intervene, much like some Americans today... Right. And getting back to Tommy G, I have tried to tell me that China hasn't had the ability to invade other countries in the last 70 years. Like when I say, when we get into this like Liam Bustle debate about um, mm-hmm. who should we be more scared of, the global community, uh, America that has 800 military bases and has interfered in the elections of 70 countries in the last 70 years and has invaded a bunch of countries and just got out of a 20-year invasion of Afghanistan and, then inv- and invaded Iraq and created, right. you know, cluster everywhere, or China that hasn't invaded anyone in that period of time and doesn't have, has zero military bases outside of its own country. Which one? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And they're throwing money at different countries to help develop their roads and uh, industry and and work, you know, partnerships with them. I mean, those are bastards. (laughs) Evil bastards. Which one should be what we were? And, and Americans will often say to me, yes, well, China didn't have the ability to invade other countries or set up military bases <laughs> right. in the last 70 years. Like, really? really? They sent 2 million troops into Korea in 1950, yeah. but they didn't have the ability yeah. to do it in the, in, in the next 68 years, really? That's, right. that's but, your theory? But what gets me is, here's MacArthur... I guess because of racism, whatever you want to call it, good old-fashioned racism, thinking that the Chinese cannot hang with his men. And and as a fellow white American, I get that, completely racist, I get that. But the point is, we spent the last how many episodes going, the Americans were under-trained, the Americans were rushed over, the Americans mm. didn't have enough equipment, they didn't have enough anything. And so you, you, it's not like you've got the best of the best of the American military in southern Korea, or I guess now uh, northern Korea. But even as weak as we no, are... actually, you do. Yeah. That was the best of the best. That's, that was true. Where, That's true. Where did you have better yeah. troops in 1950? Uh, they pulled out and they retired and they went to college and they started their own businesses. So, yeah, so that's, yeah. It is a, So the point is, as bad as my guys are, we're still better than the Chinese. Why? Because they're Chinese. They might be evil, mm. but they're not competent. Mm. They're yellow, not white, Mm. heretofore evil. And I, I know that. you're saying that with a level of facetiousness, yes. But, yes. but but you're right. We've we, we've seen this time and time again yeah. in America in 1915. I think still today, this is the same oh, yeah. mindset, I'm sure, when America went into Afghanistan, when they went into Iraq. It's like, well, come on. They're, uh, they got talents. rocks. 
Yeah, yeah. we got tanks but and planes. Taliban's and... Muslims, what, yeah. what are they going to do, really? Yeah. You know, they're not going to be able to stand up to the world. Yeah. I mean, these days your exactly. army is, you know, the most powerful military force in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's undeniable. But still, Taliban and ISIS, I was just reading in um, Le Monde Diplomatique uh, last night, mm-hmm. um, ISIS is really taking a foothold in Iraq uh, again, uh, yeah. really coming back. Very strong. Some yeah. estimates are that they've got, uh, you know, tens of thousands of young recruits they're building up in Iraq again yeah. after they were pretty much crushed. Um, they're, they're, they're rebuilding Taliban, as we know, have taken over Afghanistan again. Right. So, you know, but this, 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 there is a certain element of racism whenever America goes into these countries, I think, still today. Yeah. And this was true, yeah. obviously, back then. An Army officer, James Gavin, uh, who represented the Pentagon's Weapons Systems Evaluation Group, mm-hmm. noticed that the Kimpo Airfield, uh, just outside of Seoul, mm-hmm. some pretty, where they took Seoul back, some pretty sophisticated preparations for a modern air force, right. which neither the North nor the South had. Huh. Huh. And he was like, well, why would you go to the trouble <laughs> preparing your airfield for a modern air force if right. you don't have one? He tried to warn Willoughby, Mark uh, MacArthur's G2, mm-hmm. um, who replied, if the Chinese were going to intervene, they would have done so when we made the Incheon landing. Mm. And Gavin said, well, they were probably taken by surprise when that happened and that didn't have time. Yeah. But if they do plan on an intervention, right. the preparation of Kimpo is an indication that they're going to do so. When they're ready, they're going to come in. Willoughby yeah. couldn't, didn't buy it. Um, right. And he said the Chinese would never cross the Yalu River would never march into North Korea. He had his own sources, and he knew this to be a fact. Right. But I, I just want to say this real quick, and we're going to go into this, so I'm not going to give anything away, but if you said to me, Ray, I just found out that the Canadians are armed, they've geared up, and they're coming hard and fast at your border, and I'd be like, well, I don't want to fight. I don't have any trouble with the Canadians. Well, they're still coming, right? Well, I guess i got to get some guns and go meet them at the border and, and hopefully stop them before they get across the border. America is halfway across the world. We're in Korea. We're backing Rhee, who's a fucking monster dictator, and we're worried about the Chinese wanting to defend their borders when we're rushing at We have every intention. MacArthur has every intention of going across, but, but somehow they're still the bad guys. Not that they're going to win because we're the best in the world. I, the, the whole thing is just a clusterfuck, and it's going to get worse as we go through these next two episodes. Yeah. And it wasn't like the Chinese hadn't given them plenty of warning on a diplomatic yes. front either. Yes. Going back as early as August 20, nearly a month before the Incheon landing, Chow and Lai, who was the foreign minister at the time, had mm-hmm. telegraphed the UN Secretary General, Secretary General right. that, quote, the Chinese people cannot but be most concerned about the solution of the Korean question. Mm. On the 30th September, the day after MacArthur's big Seoul uh, ceremony, um, Chow had broadcast a warning that Chinese would not supinely tolerate the crossing of the parallel, that Mao's troops would not stand aside if MacArthur swept into North Korea. 
Chow summoned Panika, who was the Indian ambassador in Peking, right. and told him that if they crossed the parallel, China, quote, would send troops to the Korean frontier to defend North Korea, though it would not be taken, this step would not be taken if only South Korean troops move north. Which is what the Americans were trying to do at first. But MacArthur wanted to go over with his American boys as well because no one tells him what to do. But that was the plan at first. Just send North Korean troops. Let's hopefully we can keep this a local fight. Clearly that hasn't happened. Yeah, now from China, like China's probably got two things in mind here. Number one, they probably feel, I mean, A, A they may not have been telling the truth. Sure. B, uh, they probably feel that if it is just the South, the North can probably handle it um, mm-hmm. because, you know, they, they're probably better trained, better armed, better equipped. We got the best trained, the best armed, the best equipped the soldiers that refuse to fight. Was that a. Whose speech was that? Martin Luther King. If the best trained, best equipped, best something soldiers refuse to fight. Good for I him. think it's at the it's at the beginning of um, an NWA song. I think <laughs> a Public Enemy song. Public Enemy song. Gotcha. Anyway, uh, in the good old days, I would have just played the track, but we're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, or it could have been that um, they did think, okay, this is a this is a Korean thing. It's between right. the Koreans. We don't have to get involved. You guys just butt the fuck out and let them handle it. Now, yeah. uh, could have been any combination of those things. Right. So th- what what he told Panica was relayed to Washington. Um, Truman, though, when he got this message, said that Panikar had played the game of the Chinese communists fairly regularly and that Chow and Lai's message was probably, quote, a bold attempt to blackmail the United Nations by threats of intervention in Korea, and he dismissed it as a bluff. So it's not just MacArthur that isn't taking the Chinese warnings seriously. It goes right up to, to Truman. Yeah. And as, and as I said many, many episodes ago with a quote from Truman, he's as racist as the next uh, MacArthur. So yeah, he's not going to be able to take them seriously. Seriously. And if you think about it, isn't Truman getting his vibes from military men like MacArthur, like Omar Bradley, the chairman of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff. And these guys are all saying, this war is practically over. We've got this one. They can't stand up to us. Um, but again, this is where a lot of more independent thought would have would have benefited Truman. But he's just going along with everyone else. The war is all but over at this point. Yeah, that's what they think. Right, right. Now, of course, the Chinese knew way more about the U.S.'s intentions, mm-hmm. be- thanks to the Cambridge Five. Um, on the 1st of November 1950, which was 17 days before the Wake Island conference between Truman and Dougie Mack, right. Douglas McLean was appointed chief of the American desk for London in Washington. Mm-hmm. We talked about this when we had our guest on a few right. episodes ago. Yep. Um, so he's the one of the heads of the British Foreign Office. Yeah. And his name was at the top of all the distribution lists for all of the classified material right. reaching London from Washington. Yeah, you got to tell him everything because that's his <laughs> job to pass it on. So, yeah, tell him everything. 
So Philby and Burgess are already uh, monitoring the CIA and the Defence Department, and he's getting everything from the State Department. Right. So they knew everything. Got it all. Um, For example, there was a CIA memo approved by Truman shortly after he got back to Washington after his meeting at Wake Island with MacArthur. Right. um, Where it was saying that MacArthur was told to make no moves against Chinese units if they entered North Korea to protect the Suiho electrical plant and other installations around the Alu River. Yeah. Philby and Burgess would have known about this memo as soon as it was made. And a copy of that would have ended up in Douglas McLean's possession the next morning. Mm-hmm. It would have been sent to Moscow within yes. a week. Yes. Moscow would probably have sent it straight to Peking. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, these guys knew everything that the Americans were planning, that the U.S. was planning, what they'd been told they could do, yeah. couldn't do. Uh, was ready, uh, was, you know, five steps ahead yeah, as a result of the U.S. forces yeah. all, all along the way. It wasn't until a bit later on when the Chinese had routed the U.N. forces so badly and MacArthur just started making shit up on the spot so quickly that Philby, McLean and Burgess couldn't oh, keep up right. with it. They couldn't pass the information along fast enough and right. and MacArthur started to be able to match the Chinese blow for blow. Yeah. Blow okay. for blow being the name of your um, autobiography, of course. That's how I get to the top. Blow by blow, that's how I got to the top. If you can do the title, do the full title. Anyway. By the way, uh, I'd like to, seeing as you haven't done it yet, I'd like to congratulate myself for... <laughs> The 29th of November was my seventh. <laughs> was my seventh. He's talking to a little bust of Napoleon there, yes, folks. Yes. Uh, uh, the 17th of November was my. Um, sorry, the 29th of November. Right. Couple of couple of days ago was my 17th podcast anniversary. Congratulations! Congratulations! Earth shattering. Earth. Yeah. Shattering. Uh, which of course makes it Australia's 17th. Podcast anniversary. Yeah, you are not Australian. that anyone cares. Right. Um, so you know, I, I'm an overnight success, right? Is what I like to say. That's one hell of a night. No, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. So I started in 2010. You started in what? What year? I don't do math. 2004. 2004. Nice. Okay. Mm. You just saw the potential, and you said, "Hey, let me go harass some American over Skype." And make a show about it. And we'll talk about Napoleon, too. Then you came to me. No, that was two years before I started doing the Napoleon show. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay, Mm. cool. The first South uh, Korean forces reached the Yalu River on the 25th of October, sent back a bottle of its waters to Syngman Rhee as a symbolic gesture. Um, And then... Well, actually, at some point, they lined up along the bank of the Yalu with American soldiers and they took a symbolic piss in the river. Now, I'm not sure if the bottle of water they filled up for Syngman Rhee, they filled up before or after they did the piss in the river. Some debate around that. I'm hoping the bottles were downstream. I'm really hoping that was the case. Can't, can't. I wasn't there, but uh, I'm hoping that's the case. I'm guessing that was probably the case. Yeah. As we mentioned last time, it was on the same day, the 25th of October, though, that the ROK 2nd Corps, 
which was sort of driving north on the western axis of the UN's advance, was strongly attacked, almost destroyed. They reported that it was the Chinese that attacked them. Mm -hmm. They managed to get some Chinese prisoners, which they sent to first General Paik of the ROK. Right. He... He spoke fluent Chinese. He interrogated them at his uh, command post. Thank goodness. Immediately established from their accents that mm-hmm. they were from the mainland. Right. They wore Chinese reversible smocks. Yeah. He said, how many of you are here? They said, many, many. Um, he reported their conversation directly to the First Corps' commander, Shrimp Milburn. Good name. Yeah, that's your old nickname, right? From high school, Shrimp. Only, shrimp only in the showers. Only in the showers. (laughs) Go ahead. But uh, Milburn, again, didn't buy it. Not impressed. Um, Not impressed. Didn't buy it. Yeah. His own intelligence officer, Colonel Percy Thomas, was also convinced there was a Chinese presence. And, yeah, he didn't buy that either. Didn't believe Paik. Didn't believe his own intelligence officer. General Walker himself, when when the information got to him, yeah. He said, well, they're probably just Chinese people living in North Korea. He said, after all, a lot of Mexicans live in Texas. Yeah. That's the most racist explanation of anything in the history of anything that I've ever heard. General Walker, that's a thing of beauty. Well, they're probably just, and they're probably illegal too, but we don't need to go into that. Trust me, we see in Texas all the time. That's his justification for catching guys who are Chinese, who were actively fighting. They just are big enthusiasts of North Korea and they just thought they'd help out. Kind of weak. Again, it's just this, uh, just disconnect, mind-boggling, disconnect, mind-boggling. Well, yeah. it's like everybody who can make a difference or make some, who has the authority to make a decision that affects direct action, is all on one page, and all the the, the layer right under them, the people who don't have the responsibility. And let's let's face it, when you when you don't have the responsibility, sometimes you can be more relaxed about things. And I think they're seeing more clearly. They're talking to each other. They've got they've got information from different sources, and they're like. There's something to this. The Chinese are delicately, in their own way, warning us, and we're not heeding that, and now we have this. So, it wasn't so delicate. They just de- nearly wiped out an entire Liter- unit. Exactly. But I, look, I, I understand that, uh, you know, with my extensive uh, wartime military experience, sure. Ray, I understand sure. that <coughs> in these situations, there's right. a lot of intelligence that you're getting, and a lot of it is probably rubbish. Right. Um, you Shouldn't have to call tell, it intelligence uh, stuff. There's a lot, you Go know, there's, there's very hard to tell the noise from the signal. And yes. you've got to... Yes. You've, it's very difficult to know what to believe, what to act on, what not to believe, etc. I get that. Right. I've been there. I've been there. Oh, yeah. you know, I've I've had bullets flying past me, and I've had to decide: am I going to if am I going to go with the red or the white? Today? Right. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of it's gamey. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's hard to tell: do I go with the red or the white, or do I just go straight to the scotch? Right. Um, I got you. I got you. You know, there are these are difficult decisions to make in a wartime situation. Yes. But even their own intelligence officers yeah. uh, uh, excuse me, boss. couldn't convince uh, them. Yeah. We're picking up signals. Mm. Uh, oh, go fuck off? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I certainly will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So Second Corps uh, fell back, uh, setting fire to the forests as they went. When the U.S. 1st Cavalry 
pass through the ROKs mm-hmm. to take up the attack. They got almost dis- completely wiped out. They got completely right. savaged. Yes. Meanwhile, back in the east, the ROK First Corps, moving north from Hamhung, uh, got stopped by, uh, you know, what they figured out quite quickly was a Chinese division. Right. On their, they were on their way to the hydroelectric plants at the Chosin yes. Reservoir. Don't touch that. Um, battle, that's the thing we're talking about, the, yes. the, the movie, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Earlier. Um, the next day, more prisoners were taken who identified themselves as members of the 124th Division of the Chinese 42nd Army. By 31st of October, 25 Chinese prisoners had been taken. Wow. Yeah. And it was obvious that there was a huge uh, Chinese presence around the Chosin Reservoir. Right. The Argyle and Southern Highlanders mm. that we've talked about before struggle to put up the right flags, <laughs> uh, take the right hill. Right. They took part in a skirmish near the Chong Chong River. Oh, yeah. Uh, five of them got killed, six got wounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they advanced, they saw scattered bodies of dead Chinese soldiers on the hillside. Yes. Lieutenant Colonel Mitchell said they were unlike any enemy, any any enemy, 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 enemy. That's hard to say. They were unlike any enemy right. I had seen before. They wore thick padded clothing, mm-hmm. which made them look a little like Michelin men. <laughs> I turned over one body with my foot right. and saw that he wore a peaked cap with a red star badge. Mm-hmm. These soldiers were Chinese. Yes. I then turned over another, and as I looked down at him, he put, opened one eye and looked up at me. It's a zombie movie. <laughs> yes. I shot him with my Luger, shouting the, to the platoon, they're alive! It was quickly over, and all the enemy lay dead. So they, were, they were playing yeah. uh, possum. possum. They we were just lying there form. pretending to be dead. Yeah. yeah. You know, that reminds me of something. I meant to say it earlier, and I'm sure you've already made this connection in your head. Uh, as we go through this, we're going to see there's a lot of um, similarities between what's going on in Korea then and what was going on in Afghanistan. Now, you've got two sides opposing each other. You've got one side that's got all the money and all the technology in the world, and the truth is they don't want to be there. Then you've got the people who are defending their homelands or their borders. They don't have a lot of technology. They don't have a lot of money. They've got antiquated weapons, but they've got heart. They've got spirit. They've got the will. They're highly motivated, and they're willing to die. You can have technology all you want, but when you've got someone, uh, an entire or a large group of people who are willing to give their lives to defend their borders, um, things normally don't work out the way you want to. And we've we've seen it there, and we've seen it in Afghanistan at least three times now. The British, the Russians, and the Americans. These people are highly motivated. You forgot the Macedonians. Macedonia. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to leave out a massacre. You know how much I love those. I apologize. Remember, I remember when we were doing Alexander the Great, when he went into Afghanistan, mm-hmm. like Alexander would move through, conquer everything, and then keep moving. Yes. And as soon as he was gone, it they would rise back. up yes, and yes. overthrow the, the, the units that he left there, right. the guards. That sucks. And so he'd, he'd have to loop around and come back. <laughs> And conquer them again, and then he'd leave, and right. then rise up again. Rinse and, and repeat. And would, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I imagine it went like this. Okay, Ray, Cam, it took us a long time. We've lost a lot of men, but we've taken Afghanistan. I want you two, my brave souls, to stay here and guard it for me and put down any kind of trouble. Uh, there's only two of you. 
But as long as you've got the right attitude and the right can-do spirit, you're, fac- you're fucking Macedonians. You've got this. All right, I'm going to leave with my army now. Take care, guys. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they were dead. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We, the, the, the bit that he missed there was your Macedonians, which by definition means we like to fuck each other up the ass. So <laughs> what are we going to do as soon as he's left the room, you know? We're nailing each other. We missed yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were in a love shack or love boat on the river. I don't know, but the point is we didn't do, we didn't do our jobs. I admit that now. We didn't do our jobs. I did and camp, surprised. but we didn't do our jobs. Yeah, and they're surprised that as soon as the U.S. leaves Afghanistan, the right. Taliban are in control again. Really? Yeah, Have come you on. Not read any history. That's they, that's is... why they were fighting to take it back. And now that we left, they took it back. I mean, highly motivated, and they've got a single goal. They've got a single goal to take back their country, and we're seeing it here in 1950 as well. Defend yeah. their border. Now, uh, even with all of this, the experience of the Argyle guys, the UN command still couldn't believe no. that the Chinese were in North Korea in a large force. General Omar Bradley, you mentioned earlier in mm. Washington, yeah. came to the brilliant conclusion that China was merely trying to make a face-saving gesture oh. to support the defeated North Korean allies. Right. Like they're not okay. Well, look, maybe they are there, but they're not serious about it. They're just doing it. They're only kind of killing because, yeah, because they kind of feel obligated. They have yeah. to put up some sort of show, but they're not really going to put up much of a fight. That's it's right. just face saving. If you yeah. know anything about yeah. the Chinese, they're all in a saving face. That's, right. that's all that's going on here. And if I could add to that real quick, because I, th- I think, I don't, unless we're going to do a, a jump back in time or whatever, a couple of weeks ago, when... when um, jump back! <laughs> What's that sound? Here she comes, full tap and top down. Damn. Hot shoe, yeah. burning down, down the, the avenue. avenue. Got a nine ramp coming through my back room. Don't you know she's coming home with me? You lose her in the town. I get I don't even remember. No, no, basically, you're, you're saying, oh, it's just a face saving gesture. Well, a couple of weeks ago, when the Chinese were moving people into place and some Americans heard about it, some of the American journalists were like, aha, they're moving troops down to get ready to fight. That's a sign of weakness. No. <laughs> No, no, they're doing reconnaissance and they're bringing down over 100,000 men. That's not a gesture, okay? Anyway, but, but the Americans are just reading everything wrong in this situation, and now their men are dying for it. The CIA at the time continued we to be all over the place. <laughs> on, the, on the 8th of November, the, the CIA did estimate that right. there were thirty to 40,000 Chinese already in Korea. right. With seven hundred thousand more ready to cross the border, yes, uh, and they did suggest in their report that Peking considered itself fully free to yeah. enter in and uh, move into North Korea in large numbers, right? But they couldn't even they couldn't convince no. the powers that be no you know truman macarthur bradley these guys remained absolutely convinced yes. that 
the communist world acted in concert and it was part of a prearranged plan, the global communist takeover, yeah. which they had somehow changed their mind on at some point. Okay. Uh, and that China wouldn't operate independently of the USSR and Moscow seemed to be completely unwilling to get involved in the war. Therefore, China wouldn't get involved in the war. Ipso facto, uh, right. game, game over, <laughs> motherfuckers. Okay. So, so what you just said is somehow going to unkill uh, thousands of men and drive the 100,000 or, 100, or tens of thousands of Chinese troops back across the border because I don't acknowledge it. It doesn't exist. That's kind of like me dealing with my slightly less than average size penis. It doesn't change reality. Uh, this is insane. So America's thinking that Mo we haven't heard from Moscow. The Russians aren't beating on their chest. Everybody who's a communist takes their orders from Moscow and they haven't said anything. It's all good. For forget what you hear on the ground, what you see on the ground, what's actually happening on the ground. We're going to say, no, it's, it's not a big deal because we haven't heard from Moscow. Again, what kind of linear thinking or what's the word I'm, I mean they're not even examining they're not even trying there there's no devil devil's advocate in the office there's there's no no one's willing to look at the other side that has the ability to make an executive decision and now their men are suffering for it I, I don't get it but I don't have to Beetle Smith the director of the CIA still at this stage yes. Sorry. tried to convince the National Security Council on the 9th of November that MacArthur should be given a freer hand in North Korea because, as he said, the Kremlin's basic decision for or against war would hardly be influenced by this local provocation in this area. Uh, the Kremlin's got nothing to do with it. But yeah. anyway... Fucking clueless. This is the director yeah, yeah. of the CIA uh, fucking clueless. So on one hand, the CIA is saying, yeah, there's probably thirty to 40,000 Chinese <laughs> already there and another 700,000 ready to cross the border. But but they probably won't because Stalin doesn't care about what's happening in Korea. But again, I, I've got men, I've got troops, tanks, guns, planes, and I'm coming as fast as I possibly can at your border. But some guy in some other country doesn't care about this, so you're not going to do anything. It defies reason and logic, and I don't understand it. But I think yeah, there was a really. mood. I think there was a, a momentum or a wave or the history of force or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But it was just what the top brass was thinking and feeling, and it just no, no reality on the ground would, could shift them from that. Yeah. Washington was convinced, as you said before, that the Chinese warnings and what they considered probes yeah. into North Korea in October were evidence of weakness and yeah. a reluctance to fight. It's like yeah. it's like catching your wife fucking another man in right. your bed right. and deciding that it's proof that she really loves you. I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. basically yeah. the level well, of logic that's going on here. Actually, that's happened to me, as you've pointed out several times over the years with D'Angelo. And I walk in and I'm like going... Is this your way of telling me that I'm not an attentive enough lover? Because I can, I can work on that. You know, I mean, literally reading the situation wrong. They're already stooping. His, he's deep in her, tickling her kidneys, and, and I'm not getting it. No, but the point is, yeah, they've already, they've already launched attacks, and they're just not seeing it for what it really is. And I don't want to talk yeah. about D'Angelo anymore. It was too painful. Too painful? Too painful. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I think that's where we'll leave this oh. episode, Ray. Right. Uh, we uh, will be back next time to do a lot more foreplay. Oh yeah. So uh, if you, if you, again, if you don't like the foreplay, you want to get straight to the bang bang. <laughs> no. Um, Respect the foreplay. Respect. That that's your choice, but just skip these episodes because we're going to do a lot of foreplay. You're welcome. Curtain has descended across the continent.